Brave Podcast Network. Sick of being stuck and uninspired and living in fear? Yeah, me too. That's why I created the Get Your Brave On podcast, because I was looking for something that wasn't a push alert on my phone or a negative news story to start my day. Get Your Brave On is a podcast you can listen to while you're getting ready in the morning, brushing your teeth or putting your makeup on or getting your cardio in. Get exactly the motivation and inspiration you need to silence fear and do one brave thing a day. Make sure that you follow so you don't miss an episode. We start the week off with a topic, an inspiration. Then the next episode is a prayer about that. The third episode of the week, a faith-based meditation. The rest of the week includes stories from listeners just like you on how you're facing fear and getting your brave on. Share yours at 530-4-AMANDA. And I bring you experts to give you advice on how to silence fear when it comes to your faith, family, finances, fitness, and we even get to have some fun. Don't miss an episode. Sign up at getyourbraveon.info and I'll send you my free Brave Life Planner. Another thing you can start your day with instead of negative news. It is a specific plan to boot up your bravery and set your mind on the right things, the good things. And then a daily planner to help you choose one brave thing a day. If you use this every day for 30 days, that's 30 brave things things you've done in a month. Just think of how brave you will be by the end of the year. 365% more brave. Sign up at getyourbraveon.info and make sure you follow the podcast. So glad you're here. Inspiring you today to not quit, to never give up. I'm so pumped to bring you my guest for the Get Your Brave On podcast. We got a couple on the show today. Billy and Jody Ballinger are with me. And number one, I love you because you're Hoosiers. So thank you. Oh, yeah, that's right. Thank you very much. They're from the region. So I went to Indiana, and uh, my family lives in Indianapolis now. So I feel like I'm home, like now in California, that I get to hang out with some fellow Midwesterners. But the reason why I brought them on the Get Your Brave On podcast is because this is a story of refusing to quit, of pushing through fear, pushing through every single plot twist that can happen in your life, and finding a way to succeed anyway. And that is what this show is all about. I like to tell stories of people doing brave things because I feel like it's contagious. Whatever plot twists you've been dealing with today in your life, whatever setback, whatever obstacle, this is designed to help you not let it get the best of you and push through. So here we go. We've got Billy and Jody Ballinger. And first of all, what you might be surprised of, this is a story, a complete story of redemption. You guys met in juvenile hall. Is this correct? And like, not the good right. juvenile hall. No, I was a good kid. I don't know how I ended up there. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, we definitely met met in juvenile correctional facility in Indiana, central Indiana. Thank God it was a Christian ran place. It was trying to help kids before they send you off to boys school and girls school. So wow. that's where we met. How old were you? Uh, I was 16. Jody was 15. That's right. And then what happened there? I've been seeing some videos. Billy is, but they're both, um, we've got so much talent here. Artists, musicians, authors, inspirational speakers telling their story for you. Uh, Billy's working on, he's got some contemporary Christian music record out that we're super excited about. So, but but a story with from prison, I can say that, to yes. recording Christian music. What happened in the beginning to put you there in trouble? Let's start there. That's a great question, because just yesterday I was speaking in some Ohio schools, and I had a moment to try to encourage some young people. And I remember saying to them yesterday, you know, it really all started with a dream as a seven-year-old little boy of building a stage in my, my dad's backyard, taking a pile of wood from behind the garage, got all my I got all three of my friends together, all my friends, and said, hey, look, we're going to build a stage. We're going to have a band. We're going to get up on the stage and sing, and all the little girls are going to come watch us sing. So that was my seven-year-old desire to do something musically, but I I took a detour. We hadn't met, of course, yet because we were from two different areas of the state, Um, and I just really didn't focus in on that dream. And so I was just kind of a lamb led to the slaughter, I think, as a young teenager and Got in a bunch of trouble, kept running away. We meet in juvenile corrections. 
she had literally been through just a horrible, horrible life. I mean, people that have read her book is just like, wow, we both joined the choir. And it was it was co-ed. So they would let the, the girls that were in trouble and, and the boys that were in trouble could – that was one way we could get together, you know. Okay. So we're meeting in choir, and um, and we started going together. And we were there – I was there 15 months. So Jody spent 14 months there. Oh, that's right. And then when we got out, we went back to our separate counties. So by that time, we're in love as a young teenage couple. And then I go back to my county where I was from on probation. She goes back to her county. And then I don't recommend this, but um, in a a romantic way, I ran away from home to be with her. Okay. (laughs) We do not. We're not condoning this behavior. Yes. No, no, no. No condoning. But really, um, and all that time, you know, that dream is just lying dormant there, I guess, in the back of my mind. I thought that would be cool to do that. But in the process, I just, because of those bad decisions and then in the society that she was in and her lifestyle, that was something I always wanted to be a part of, was kind of living wild and doing whatever I wanted. So I jumped in and started partying, started, and I became violent. And this was her life, you know, our house was raided by a SWAT team. We had started selling some marijuana, and my house became the party house. And, of course, I was violent, connected with the wrong crowd. And um, just really a a sad, sad story. Just yesterday, they uh, just laid my my best friend from those days to rest yesterday. He he died last week from drugs. So that brings it to reality for us. But in this process... um, we our house gets raided by the SWAT team. We lose custody of our baby girl. She was nine months old. Uh, yes. Yeah, they send me to prison eight months later. Send Jody to prison eight months later. But this is the great thing. There's a lot to this story. But God kept stepping into our life. Me, when I was ten years old, at first I did feel the Holy Spirit touch my heart. I accepted Jesus Christ in a fire station. Believe it or not, they held an event in a fire station. And it got me interested. They had some chairs set up in a little stage. They preached the gospel. I got saved. Ironically, it's funny that we hold events and things like that now because that's how I got born again. But I didn't really have no fellowship with God. And so you see what happened. You know, there was no strength there to say no to all the crazy house gets raided by SWAT team. We go to prison. But God kept putting people in our path right before we went to prison. And then also when we went to prison, certain people that took us under their wing began to mentor us about the Lord because at that time we're broken. We don't have our baby girl. Mm -hmm. We're broken. We just, um, and I'm crying out to God, taking that wool blanket in prison, covering my head and just not in front of anybody because I had this image, you know, to, to try to hold on to. And I'm crying out to God. I'm saying the things that any inmate would say, uh, please get me out of here. (laughs) Please get me back with Jody. Help restore our family. Let's get our daughter. I'll never do drugs again. I'll never party again. All those kinds of things. But in the process of trying to get God to answer our prayers, answer my prayers, I dove into the Word of God and started. I was just trying to figure out the formula to get God to move this mountain out of my way. Right. He never got mad at me about that. I never felt like that God was like coming against us because I wasn't worshiping Him. I didn't really know anything about that. I just know we needed an answer, but I'm telling you, it's an amazing thing. When you die, Jesus, that's what happened. Wow. So we start standing on the scriptures, speaking to the mountain of incarceration. Uh, I would continually write Jody and tell her, we're going to get out early. We're going to get our daughter back. God is on our side. And then God changed the judge's heart after she said she wasn't going to change her mind. God changed her heart. And years later, yes. Yeah. Oh, my and goodness. She, Two months. Okay, so she had at one point just that we had almost done two years of incarceration, separated. I couldn't touch her. I couldn't be with her. The judge sent news to our attorney to say this. The judge said, you are not going to get out early. She said, don't waste the paper. Don't waste the ink. Quit asking to get out. You're not getting out early. You're going to do all your time. So that night when I got that bad news, I walked outside the prison yard and I lifted my hands to God with tears coming down my eyes. And I said, I didn't pray to that judge. I pray to you. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And because of that, they have an innocent man in prison and it's not right. So that's what we did. The Court of Appeals ordered us to get a hearing. 
and within oh well, yeah made the judge bring us back in wow <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. then when we went to court that day, and there's a whole, a whole lot of little bitty miracles that happened between that, because we believe that with God, when it rains, it pours, you know, and when he's moving like that, favor starts working. I just, I got to say this to encourage people. When you, you're praying and you don't see any results, if you stay with it, you will see results. There's just no way that God's word will not move the mountain and, it, you know, and that it mm-hmm. won't work if you stay with it. That's something about that. We've heard it said before, pit bull mentality, not letting go, not quitting, faith in action, and it's not always easy. But the more time you spend with Jesus, that kind of it strengthened us. Yeah. And I just remember when they came to the prison to pick me up, and I hadn't seen her in so long. Talk about the favor of God. They had went to her prison first and picked her up. Yeah. They could have went. They they who does that right? So they picked her up, oh. put her in the front front of the sheriff's car. They shackle me in my prison, walk me out of where you can't walk very far because you, right. your feet are all shackled together. Oh, my gosh. I get to the car. She's in the car. We're both freaking out. We haven't seen each other in a long time, and it just causes praise to God. I just cried. Were we guilty? Yeah. yeah. Were we guilty? Well, yeah, we, we were, were guilty. We were guilty, but yeah. we've been redeemed. Absolutely. And well, I need yeah. to say something. Um, my story was is that, at nine years old, my parents get a divorce. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up in a pretty normal house, I feel. Um, and at nine years old, I come home from school, and there's a U-Haul in my driveway. Mm-hmm. I go in, and my mom said, we're moving, and your dad's not coming with us. I had no idea that that next week we moved in. Well, we moved that night into her sister's house and uh in cleveland ohio and one of the worst neighborhoods in cleveland ohio and within a week i was popping pills and smoking pot they had a huge so basically i was moved into a drug house at nine by 14 years old i'm on meth um my boyfriend uh passes away i'm uh fighting, running away, doing, I'm rebellious because I, at nine years old, I was able to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, no No boundaries, and no love I could feel. And Mm. um, so when I, I was in and out of juvenile at starting at 11 years old, so the same, the same, uh, the same police officer, actually detective, the same detective that sent me to the juvenile at 11 years old was the exact same detective that came and got me at 14 years old when I had just done this at my boyfriend's house because I was a runaway. And he talked to me and he said, you need, you better straighten up. You better straighten up. My boyfriend that I was staying with was upset got killed in a drunk driving accident. He was, uh, he, ha- he had just turned 17. And um, I end up going to the children's home, running mm-hmm. away from the children's home. I was just very unsettled as a kid. I just wanted boundaries. I wanted someone to love me. And I knew that there was no one. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so when I uh, ran away, I had ran away several times. My county finally said, enough's enough. We're sending you to White. And that was in Wabash, Indiana. Soon as I got to White, um, there, it, it was run by Christians. They just loved me. They loved me for 14 months, and I was just, like, mm. overwhelmed with the love and the boundaries, and I actually loved it. But on the outside, I would never, as a 15-year-old girl, say, I love this place, but I I truly did love the place because I had boundaries and I had love. And then... And I loved you, too. (laughs) And then I get get, um, out, and I have to go back into that situation. Now I'm living in Muncie, Indiana, I'm living uh, with my mother. My mother used to be a prostitute. Um, I was just, just grew up in a crazy way. 
And right, right back into the same yes, thing. It's almost like right that was your normal. That was your normal. It's like, this is my normal life. This is what I'm feeling comfortable with right now. So, yeah. And not only was it my normal, but everyone in my neighborhood, all my friends, Mm -hmm. that was their normal. Yeah. So, I like, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, he comes into my house and comes to see me. Well, when I ran away. Yeah. I show up at her house and... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I show, when I run away to go be with her, because I got to find this girl I fell in love with yeah. after we got out of juvenile. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, and there was no boundaries. So her mom's like, "There's Jody's bedroom." Oh. I, I moved right in. It yeah. was like, now I wasn't wow. raised like that. I was adopted by then a 17 year old kid who's yeah. still got some rebellion going on. He's on. Wow. Like, okay, this is a great deal. Yeah. 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 But you know what? Yeah. I had lived from nine to six years old by the time I was in white and uh, was shown God's love. Yeah. I had gotten saved. I was like ready to live a good life. And then I was sent home. And so um, I wanted out of that. I wanted out of that lifestyle, yeah. but I didn't have a choice. So I had to go right back into it. So him and I are together, young married couple. Um, you brought know. a daughter into, mm-hmm. you know, she's mm-hmm. 18 or you're 17 when Mindy was born. I was 18. When we, uh-huh. 17, 18, we got married. And even when I got married, yeah. I thought this won't last. We might be married for a year or two, but I was around people. Nothing ever lasts. Because that was your normal. And yeah. mm-hmm. that was my normal. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know what? We'll, I'll be married for a year or two, but I'll always have my baby. My baby girl, but when our house was raided by the SWAT team, oh. the same detective that took me to juvenile, yeah, the same detective that came to pick me up yeah. from Danny's house when I was on meth at 14, was the same detective that oh. walked into her our house and said, jo- looked me right in the eye and said, Jody, I wish you would have straightened up and took Mindy out of my arms. Right at that point, I can t- pinpoint it. Right at that point, I was going to do whatever I needed to do mm-hmm. to never have that happen again, except snitch. Because I was brought up in a manner of that was off limits. Mm-hmm. So I was willing not to give them any, any information. I was willing to go to prison and be away from my mm-hmm. daughter for two years. So what to save him? Brained in you it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, well not save him, but yeah. his friends. Uh, and everybody, you weren't going to, right, yes. you weren't going to throw anybody under the bus. Yeah. I'm Tony DeLorenzo, and this is my beautiful wife, Elisa. Hey there. We're hosts of the top rated marriage podcast, The One Extraordinary Marriage Show. This is the show where being busy is overdone, romancing is fun, and scheduling sex has taken the guesswork out of wondering when you're going to get some. Each episode, we share what you can do to create the extraordinary marriage you desire. With over 700 episodes, like Information Overload and Sex Pillows and Wedges, there's something for you. Come join us as we talk sex, love, and commitment. Subscribe to The One Extraordinary Marriage Show today, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on your favorite podcast app. Wow. And vice versa. Yeah. You know, to, to me, it was more about not snitching because of the reputation. Now, that's so twiffle we need to be together. Um, we could have cooperated with the police. I really believe I could have kept my wife out of prison, which mm-hmm. meant she would have been able to take care of our daughter. Right. But I was so ingrained, because I didn't mention this earlier, but I was heavily bullied until I was 17. Then I become violent. Then I switch, and I start hurting people. And I'm working on this reputation I never had as a kid. Mm-hmm. So you have all these issues in this toxic situation that's just making it worse and worse now our daughter is not with her parents and and for me it really wasn't about being loyal to those friends it was more about when i get out and go back to that community i don't want to be known as a snitch i mean that's just so twisted but here you got a little innocent nine-month-old little baby i see it now mm-hmm. i'm ashamed of that now you know thank right. god I'm christ for my shame now. Like well, I yeah. And what I find yeah. is so amazing about what I've heard so far of the story, I want to hear the reunion story with your daughter as well. Yeah. yeah. But what is so amazing is throughout this process, you know, I know the church and maybe not have gone through as much 
as you've gone through that have this relationship with God where it's almost adversarial, that they feel so Mm -hmm. much shame because they let him down and they feel like they can't talk to him anymore because of their sin. They can't make mistakes. He's just like the judge with the gavel, right? And it's ready to, but when you guys encountered Jesus, you had such optimism and such belief that he was going to take <laughs> yeah. care of you no matter what. You didn't feel his judgment like so many Christian right. people feel. Why was it that you knew, like, look, I, I was guilty, but I know God is going to forgive me. Where other people walk around never feeling like God ever always trying to earn that forgiveness, but you accepted it freely. That's what it is. You accepted it yeah. freely, and many yeah. people do not accept it freely. So how did you do that? What was the difference? Wow. Well, first of all, I, I always bring this up. I think it's really, really key mm-hmm. is that prayer, somebody somewhere had to be praying for us, uh, interceding for us. Pray, that term is, you know, to pray for us. The other thing was, is that, I don't know, I mean, we didn't have no other answers. We couldn't, you know, the judge said you're going to prison and, and the, the lawyer had already tried. My parents couldn't do anything about it. Um, none of my friends came to testify on my behalf. <sighs> It was all those things. Mm-hmm. We just, there was true love there. Yeah. And, and our daughter. What I like to say you is, know? is that I didn't have anyone in my home. Mm. And he felt alone as well. And there was two teenagers that came together. Oh, there you go. flung together because we felt like we had no one else. Right. And so after. Now, we were a team even then. Yes, you know. even then. Like we clung to each other. And um, after the raid happened, uh, his mother, thank goodness, took our daughter. Um, Mindy was in uh, foster care for 30 days. And then after the 30 days, his mom got to take her. And she had her for two, two and a half years. When we got out, Mindy was three and a half. After Mindy was placed with uh, Billy's mom, Mary, we decided enough's enough. We cannot in this town, in this Let me clarify something real quick okay. so everybody understands. After the raid happened, we went to jail, but within a few days, we paid a bond, and we bonded out of jail until trial. So and that's how, we're, yes. that's how okay. we're out making these decisions. Yeah. yeah. So here we know Mindy's being taken care of. Nothing like your child be, being taken from you and put in foster care, and you have no idea who's taken yeah. Because I had plenty of friends that did not have good foster parents. Yeah. So that's running in my mind. Uh, so now she's safe. She's safe yeah. with Billy. And him and I come together and we go, you know what? We need to get out of this community because we didn't know good, any, any Christians or anyone in that community. So we go from Muncie, Indiana, and we moved to Indianapolis, Indiana. I got a job at the gas station. Um, as, as, you know, as the attendant, yeah. and then he sent to drug treatment. Well, the so, court, the court system is basically when you get in that yeah. kind of trouble and your child's taken, mm-hmm. you have to go through certain steps. Even though we hadn't went to trial yet, we're still trying to figure out ways to get yeah. them to give our daughter back. So we we're trying to figure all this out. And I go to one of the meetings, they drug test me and I tampered with it mm-hmm. and they knew I did, which meant they're automatically going to order me to go to drug rehab. So I spent 36 days in drug rehab. While I'm in there, she's working two jobs. After a few weeks of being in the car, we did get an apartment, yeah, okay. a house, actually. House. I get out of Richmond State Hospital. She gets robbed at gunpoint at that gas station three times. And I told her after the second time, if you, it was three times, mm-hmm. right? Yes. If you get robbed again, you're quitting the job. And her boss pulls up in his car because he's going to try to talk me into letting her continue to work because he needs her. And I said, she's got to quit. The next day, we go into that job where she's worked because we need to pick up her check. We go into this job. This is a miracle. And this is one of the reasons that caused us to reach out to God. We get to that gas station, and I'm just wanting to go find a job somewhere. And she's waiting on the check, waiting on the check. In the meantime, this guy walks in. He goes, you guys got any water? He said, my truck is overheating. I need some water. She recognized him. He'd been coming in and out of the gas station, a construction worker down the street. He'd been coming in there for days. She gives him some water. He comes back in after he goes out to his truck. He goes, I don't know what's going on, but my truck was steaming and everything. There's nothing wrong with it. It's fine. Gives the water back to her, and we start talking. She tells him she gets robbed. 
they start up a conversation and finally I get frustrated. I didn't have the greatest attitude. Then. <laughs> I was very impatient. And I just said in the middle of the gas station, I said, you know what? I need to go find a job. Let's go. We'll come back. And this guy doesn't even know me, speaks up and says, do you want a job? Ugh. Right. Just like that. I said, yeah. yeah. What, what's that? What do you mean? Mm-hmm. He goes, I'll give you a job right now. I need a construction helper, laborer. What can you do? I said, well, I can dig dirt. I didn't really know anything to do. And so over the next 20 to 30 minutes, he has the hook in my mouth now because he just gave me a job. He starts witnessing to us. He goes, I don't know what was wrong with my truck, but ain't nothing wrong with it now. But now, I guess now you realize this was was God. So he starts asking questions like, hey, you guys go to church. Oh, by the way, Easter's coming up. Do you guys wow. have any plans to go anywhere for Easter? And Jody is like, yeah, she was all energetic wanting to do it. Yeah. And I'm saying yes because he just, I'm saying yes because he just gave me a job. I'm wow. thinking, job, there you go, you know, some money. Yeah. And then we're like, yeah, we'd like to go on Easter. And then he goes like this. This is really bold, too. He goes, cool. Hey, do you guys mind if my wife and I visit with you, get to know you since you're going to be working with me and, we can tell you about our church. And sure enough, that couple showed up. And their names are Jeff and Diana Clampett. They live just outside of Indianapolis to this very day. We're all family to this very day because they witnessed to us. I continue to work for him. We have been friends all these years. We're that close. I mean, super so close. that night, well, yeah. um, I'm sorry, Diana I jumped in here. and I went into my kitchen. I didn't have a kitchen table. I was just grateful to have a home to live in. Yeah, yeah. So we sat on the floor, and she started talking to me about Jesus and the second coming. She was talking about Book of Revelation. Yes. and I was just Scaring like, me. let's skip all this. Yeah, Lead me tell me the, the good trail. stuff. I am ready. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so. Now, they did not know that we were facing trial. They didn't know oh, we were out on bond, that we yeah. were felons. They didn't know anything. We didn't say anything. Yeah. And they loved you anyway. They loved and they just went and they followed what God was telling them to do. Was that a normal yeah. thing for them? To, was that like their mission or was it just you guys? They yeah. were on fire for God. Yeah. They were really excited about Jesus. And, and that was the thing I was going to say earlier when you asked me, what was the thing that caused you guys to just yeah. go right to God? It was because the Lord kept, sending people to us to tell us that he was the hope. And so now we try to encourage people, whatever you need, run to the hope, run to Jesus. And, and that, that was really crucial for us. That was the real reasons when we went on to prison, see, we went to trial, by the way, that man, I continued to work for him. When we went to trial, uh, he got on the stand and tried to be a character witness and tried to get them to show leniency Mm -hmm. on me and Jody. They continued when we went to, they didn't show us leniency, but anyway, when we went on to prison, they would always accept our collect calls, uh, visit. Oh. Their parents started visiting us. Jody had their a, parents, yeah. uh, Jeff's mom and dad, visited me every single week for two years. Whoa. Every single week. Um, I love, yeah. Unconditional oh, wow. love and the absolute example of Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's and why I you had. That's a, just a good lesson for all of us, especially if you're the kind of person that wants to fulfill the Great Commission. You're the kind of person that says, I do want to tell people about Jesus. You do it consistently and regularly and loving instead of pointing out everything that somebody's doing wrong. Right? I, I mean, to me, that that's just a big blinking light that just makes us realize how painful and damaging our judgment can be over people's lives. And you know what their message was? I can remember one of the very first visits that I got from Jeff and Diana's mom and dad, which their names are Sandy and Harlan. Mm-hmm. When they came to the prison, they took me into the scriptures into the visiting room. And they made a statement to me that I liked the statement. It just sounded very strange to me. They said, it grieves God's heart that you're separated from your wife. Now, they knew I had already repented, asked for yeah. forgiveness. Yeah. Then they began to take me into the scriptures about having a around so from the get-go, these are the message. This is the only thing I'm listening to, and the only thing I'm yeah. hearing. I got my eyes on Jesus is going to get us out of here yeah. and get us back together, mm-hmm. and I just locked into it. And she did for the first year. For the first year, I had 
I had a time limit on God. Yeah. God's going to get me out with my baby girl within a year. Yeah, been there. Yeah. When that, yeah. <laughs> when that year came, yeah. it was it was yeah. heartbreaking for me, and yeah. and so I just kind of backed up, like you know, is he really real? You know, um, because it was it really wasn't in my head. Like this is going to happen. But well, to a certain extent, you return to the old life while you're in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, she yeah. talks about that in her book. Yeah. But God was still merciful to her, and then the Lord just prompted me. And so I started writing her letters every single day. I know that sounds so heroic, but I love her. And so mm-hmm. I was just wanting to do whatever I could to encourage her, but also it felt comfort to me to try to keep the marriage. They allowed us to write letters. It was every day. I did take a break on yeah. Sundays and holidays, but anyway, because yeah. sometimes the letters were yeah. like two lines, you know, because you said everything yesterday. Tell her about what you did to get permission to write me. Yeah, yeah. So they wouldn't let us write. So we literally had, I had to write a letter to my mom. And before I would fold it up, I'd write a letter to her stick it in my mom's letter and fold that up and mail it to my mom. And, and my she, mom would mail it to her. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so it was a big deal. Yeah. So, so then I, there was a six foot five, uh, African-American brother named Slim. He was, we call him Slim, obviously, but Indiana state prison at Michigan city. This is a, a hundred year old prison, very serious place. Well, like I've know seen of. it. I've seen it. Yes. <laughs> I was there. I was there. I was wow. in four different prisons in two years, but I was there at first, you know? And so while I was there, he took me under his wing and began to teach me about the Lord. Now he had been the baddest dude in the whole prison. So nobody messed with him when he got born. He said, Slim, I said, they won't let me write my wife. He said, we need to pray and we need to fast. And I'm like, man, okay, that means don't eat. I, you know, so I'm like, I don't know if I really, cause you don't got a lot to do in prison. Right. Right? You look forward to maybe some exercise and mm. food or whatever. And um, so we, he said, we're going to fast three meals. And we're going to pray that they let you guys write. And we've been requesting it, but they did not approve it yet. So we fast breakfast the next day and prayed. He said, stay in the scriptures. So I kept reading the scriptures. We fasted lunch. And at three o'clock, they did mail call. Just like you see on the military movies where the, the sergeant was standing in the middle of the room and, and all the soldiers are standing around waiting on their mail. It was exactly the same way in the dormitory in the prison. And sure enough, that very day, the prison had released a letter from her and released it and let it come into me. And that was the first one I got. And I went and told Slim, I said, it worked. It worked. You know, and he's like, good, we can eat. So God is giving this whole journey seems to me, tell me if I'm wrong, that God is giving you these glimpses of answered prayer, almost like, cause I, I talk yes. about this, about building bravery. You do one thing and you're like, Oh, wait a second. Um, that worked. Let me do something else. Go. Wait a second. Yeah. God answered that. How can I make my prayer even bigger? It was like each time he was building your faith throughout this mm. whole process. Would you say yeah. that that would be accurate? Like just continually oh, building your faith. Like this is possible. I said all things are possible. If you believe in me, yeah. it's just over yep. and over and over again. That is awesome. That's so good. what would you say to someone listening right now going, I don't know how to relate to this story. It's an incredible story, you know, I, but I, I know that there's things in my life that, that are holding me back. So what would you say to someone to work on their bravery? Because I believe what it says in the Bible, in Joshua 1, 9, that it's not an option. God says, have I not commanded you Courage. to be strong and courageous, but I will go with right. you wherever you go. So how does someone not give up and go through all of that and continue to believe and continue to get their brave on to have faith. Thank God. God is merciful to us. And we've all missed it many, many times. And the thing about it is, is he still does require, you see it all over the scriptures. He wasn't, he wasn't really happy with the children of Israel when the, Israel, when they doubted him. So he still requires faith of us. But when we haven't been trusting him, thank God he's merciful to us. But the only thing that we found that really moves the mountain out of the way is when you trust him, because when you trust him, it does open the doors and he moves in these situations. I just want to say this. When somebody can't relate to having your daughter taken away or they can't relate to a SWAT team raid, and it's funny you would say that because yesterday in the school, I said the very same thing when I spoke to teenagers. I said, you may not be able to relate to that. 
but you can relate to this because this is really life. So we saw those miracles then, but yet there are sometimes days in a row in our own home, like where we're at right now, where we're just passing through. I'm walking down the hall or coming out of the kitchen and she's in the living room. And we just look at each other and we remind each other, he did it then. He will not let us down. I just said it to Jody yesterday. And sure enough, another answer came in this morning. I, I, I don't want to say I didn't expect it because I'm, I'm training myself to expect it, <laughs> right. you know, because faith That's is expectant. Mm-hmm. But I had just said to her yesterday, remember, he did it and he always will do it again. He will always keep his promises. Yes. Now, I know that sounds like a big faith giant and really tough faith guy. But when I was saying it, I didn't feel it. Yeah. And we face that in prison. So really, people are in all kinds of prisons, right? So whether you're incarcerated or people are in prisons on the outside, you know, there's all kinds of prisons, prisons of the mind and things. We need God's mercy. You call upon it, He gives mercy. You need God's grace for a situation. You call upon it, He gives the grace. What I, what I feel is, and I share this a lot, there's something key to not quitting. Faith sees it through. In fact, my mom said, your attorney, and I shared this earlier, your attorney wants you to know. The judge said, you're not getting out. You're going to do all your time. Okay. While my mom was talking and I'm on the phone, I remember hearing a message from a preacher that I heard one time. And he made this statement. He says, when you're willing to stand or willing to trust God with everything forever, when you're committed to trusting him forever, you won't be there very long in that situation. But if you're only willing to trust God for a little while, you're going to be there forever. And I just said, Mom, I got to go. And I hung up the phone. And that's when I went outside the prison and I prayed a prayer that my mind said was crazy. But my heart said, do it anyway. And I'm trying not to put it across like I'm just this tough prayer person. God really has given us all that. I look at it like this. You're going to breathe anyway. You're going to be here tomorrow. You might as well do it with hope and expectancy that God's going to move on your behalf. That's the way I look at it. You didn't have any other options. I'm curious if you celebrate those moments. I, um, I celebrate August 1st in my life and it is not because it's my birthday or anything like that. It's because that is the day that my ex-husband decided to leave my family. My kids were, um, oh my gosh, they were four, two and eight weeks old at the time and just left. I had to be, and then through all that process, I had to be out of my house a year to the date. And my friends, I was like, what do I do? What do I do? And we circled August 1st. Okay. By this day, you got to have a plan. So, and I just worked backwards and that is still my evidence. So, and, and I prayed and I booked a moving van and they're, you know, they usually want two, two zip codes, like the, where they're going to pick you up and where they're going to drop you off. And they're like, and where are we going to? I was like, I'm going to have to call you back with that. Like, I'll find that out soon. Wow. So I'm like, I'll let you know. I was praying and looking for a job and I got an incredible job offer dream job, national radio show. And the secretary calls me on the phone and says, I'm going to book the flight for you and the kids. We don't want you driving across the country with three little kids by yourself. So we're going to fly you out here. I'm looking at flights. I know you want to be here before school starts. So how does August 1st work for you? And so I was like, yes. So that is like my, but I think it's important to celebrate those things. Every August 1st, my three sunshines and I, we go out to a nice dinner because we celebrate look at the redemption that God has given us where we're going to remember this date because he saved us because he answered our prayers do you have a, a, like a celebration for we, those moments? We are, in our case I think we at different times we've celebrated but ours is more not so much the date as much as we just keep reminding of remember that situation yeah. the, the, and it is the celebrating that we remind ourselves of what the Lord did at those different times and those become our memorials to us Yes. We've actually, or we go back traveling through, or remember, and we see how the Lord connected all the dots. We went back to some of the prisons. Yes. We went back yes. into the prisons to speak. We went to houses in different stages of our life, and we just are amazed. We're going, oh my gosh, how did the Lord take this young couple that had nothing and then want to give us an opportunity? I'll say it like this. In our case, like right now, getting a chance to tell this story. 
And then you try to put yourself back at the moment you got arrested and think, could you ever see this moment? <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> It's powerful, but maybe we just unlocked a secret. You know, I'm sure it's in the Bible. This is how we're telling the story and the experience that that this is built up. Faith builds in your life, and one of the ways to remember when you're at a hard time or like plot twists, all the plot twists that we face in life, is to just look back to go back and to mark the day on the calendar and continue to press forward. And that is how you get your brave on is remembering what God got you through. And if he got me through that yet, then he's going to get me through that now. And we're just going to remember all of those dates. I'm pretty sure they did that old Testament. They built the towers, right? Isn't that why they built the towers and the yes. (laughs) It was a memorial. They remember this. Exactly. So build up your memorials and you build up your faith and you build up your brave. Forget, I'm thinking of the scripture, Psalms 103, Mm -hmm. forget not, don't forget his benefit, you know, forget, you know, so I think about that as all the restoring of my family. Yes. Nobody can ever take that away. Sometimes I, I can stand in front of an audience sometimes, and I know that's a small percentage of life, but stand in front of an audience and I would say to them, you, nobody can take my story away. Nobody can tell me right. that God is not real and that God doesn't do these things. And there's some strength in that. You begin to know and you, you, you learn and you grow in God. And there's challenges that come. But again, you just keep, there's, some, there's something that helps you push forward when you remember that he did restore your marriage. I mean, we had gotten released that day. We're driven two hours to my mom's house. Um, we actually have the footage of this. And so, because when we got in there, they filmed it. And my daughter was three years old. Her back was to us. She was sitting in like a high chair at the table. We sneak up behind her. This is, we'd only been out of prison just a few hours. Yeah. And we sneak up behind her and we're like holding hands. And we just, we're standing over her and she doesn't know we're there. She's got long hair now. My mom didn't really cut her hair <sighs> that often. And she's doing, eating something. And, and we said, Mindy. She turns right around. She does this. She takes her own hair and moves her hair back, and she says, Mommy. Oh. Just like this. Yeah. I mean, like you couldn't have stayed like, so yeah. much better. And you know what? We were guilty. Mm-hmm. But we're born again. Yeah. And I, I think about this. Like today I was out praying about something. And I, when I started to pray today, because I like to walk and pray. And so I was out I'm not saying I do that all the time. I just was there today. And there was this challenge coming at me. And, and, and I started thinking about, well, I did this, so I should get this. Right. Like, I was starting to think about all the formulas. Well, I've done, and then all of a sudden I stopped and I said, nope. I'm walking and I'm like, nope, I'm not going to talk about what mm-hmm. I did. I'm just going to say, I'm, a, I'm born again. I'm a child of the king. I'm a Christian. Jesus you know, and I prayed in Jesus' name about that situation. Mm-hmm. So um, I just need to remind myself to do that all the time. There's something <laughs> powerful about that. That's beautiful. You know, That's so within beautiful. a few hours, we had another, we had an answer about something. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. Next yeah. time I have a prayer request, I think I might call you. Is that okay? <laughs> I'm like, wait, yeah. I know who to call is the Ballingers. I'm going to call them yeah. right now. I love you guys so much. I can keep talking. I think yeah, we're going to turn this you. into two episodes of the yeah. podcast. Incredibly powerful story about how to not quit. So power of redemption. If there's ever a yeah. time in your life that you feel like you are counted out of God being able to use you because of whatever sin or label is put on your past, please remember the Ballingers and know that now God is using them with your Jody's book. What's the name of your book, Jody? It's called Beautifully Unbroken, The Prostitute's Daughter. Oh, my goodness. Okay, with the book and with Billy's inspirational speaking, going into schools now to tell messages and your music that we're excited that is coming out. And I got to tell you, um, the music industry, especially in the Christian music industry, it's a very small world. And one of my very favorite people that I trust in the most in the music industry is Billy's representative. And I know if Mr. Chris Hauser picks you to work with, 
then there's an ultimate yeah. level of trust. I'm like, I got to hear this story. I got to hear this music. It's a cool honor. So be prepared to hear more from the Ballingers and be prepared for God to do amazing things in your life and in their midst that you gave me time to be able to share your story for my Get Your Brave On listeners. You guys are incredible. And my fellow Hoosiers. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you you for what you do. Thank you so much for having us. Incredible. So the next time you think your dreams have been canceled because of your mistakes, remember the Ballingers and accept mercy and refuse to quit. You got to check out Jody Ballinger's book. It's called Beautifully Unbroken, The Prostitute's Daughter. And Billy's music, look it up on Spotify or wherever you like to listen to Tree and the Nails. You can find all the links and even more inspiration for you to daily choose bravery and live a strong and courageous life at getyourbraveon.info. When you feel like you just can't keep it together, life is a mess. I can help you. I have a plan to help you bounce back and get your brave on, and it will take just 30 days. Hi, it's Amanda Carroll. I understand what it's like to go through a divorce, how to single parent with three kids under four all by yourself, also how to bounce back after a job loss. So if you're experiencing a loss, maybe it is a job loss, maybe it's a divorce that you're going through, or maybe it's loss of a dream, maybe it's loss of a relationship, I understand how that feels. And I can help you put your life back together again. A couple days after my ex-husband left me and my three children who are four, two, and eight weeks old, there were days that I spent in bed. I couldn't figure out what to do next, where to go, who to call. I was so overwhelmed and overtaken by fear. I was trapped. But then I had a good friend, several, that came alongside me, and together we came up with a plan so I could be brave. I developed this personal hashtag, Get Your Brave On, and so I could reinvent my life into something better than I ever expected. Those women held my hand when I went to the lawyer's office. Those women fed me and my children dinners when I was unable to function. And I kept asking, what is it that I could ever do to repay you? And they said, hey, why don't you just go do it for someone else? So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm launching 30 Days to Brave. My Get Your Brave On Academy. Will you be one of my first students to go through the process of not able to figure out how to get your bounce back after a loss in life and then living a strong and courageous life by 30 days. It all started with picking a date on the calendar. For me, after my ex-husband left, I chose August 1st to have a plan, a job, and a way to reinvent my life. I constructed a plan that step-by-step, one brave action every single day to get me to the goal of a new life by August 1st. I worked the plan. Just one thing every single day. You know what's crazy? By having the right mindset and choosing the date and working the brave steps, I got a new job and was relocating from Washington, D.C. to California. And the team that relocates people that work for that company called me and said, hey, we're looking at dates to fly you and the kids out. How does August 1st sound? It works. When you've had a setback in life, your mindset is everything. 30 Days to Brave will help you get the right mindset and give you a step-by-step specific plan for you to design your life to be happy again, free from fear, and living the life that you always dreamed of. Join me in 30 Days to Brave. Just send me a message. I've got 20 spots starting July 1st. We're going to end on August 1st. That's your date that you can circle on the calendar. Will you be one of the first 20 in the Get Your Brave On Academy? 30 days to brave. Just send me a message on Facebook at Amanda Carroll Show. I'm Monica Schmelter. And on the Bridges Podcast, we offer you hope for the journey. Whether you are in a season of waiting navigating a busy career and family, or working through disappointment. The Bridges Podcast provides truth and grace for everyday life. The podcast is Bridges with Monica Schmelter, and you can listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com. I'm Dr. Lauren DeVille, a practicing naturopathic physician in Tucson, Arizona. 
In my podcast, Christian Natural Health, my guests and I discuss topics ranging from nutrition, sleep, hormone balancing, and exercise to specific health concerns like hair loss, anxiety, and hypothyroidism. I'll also interweave biblical principles as they apply throughout the podcast because true health is body, mind, and spirit. Listen to Christian Natural Health for free at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you so much for your support of the Get Your Brave On podcast. I'd love to connect with you. Call my hotline anytime and let me know how this podcast is impacting your life and how you're silencing fear at 5304-AMANDA. Let's connect on socials and get more strategies to silence fear every day on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Amanda Carroll Show. And if you want to go deeper, join my Patreon. You can get daily motivations and prayers and meditations and live videos. Just go to getyourbraveon.info and sign up to be a member of the Get Your Brave On tribe. Join our Facebook group too. Just search Get Your Brave On. And I'd be honored if you would follow this podcast and subscribe and even leave a review. That helps more women just like you facing a plot twist find more strategies to silence fear. I'll shout you out in the next episode or even send me an email to amanda at amandacarol.org and tell me how God is using this podcast in your life like Kim did. She said, I just want to thank you for your podcast. I signed up in July and honestly, always deleted your message. (laughs) It's okay. Or sometimes just took a quick glance. But today was different. It was if God was drawing me to really take a look at it. And I did. After downloading the app to get a podcast, I went back and clicked on the prayer. As I stood in my bathroom, brushing my teeth, the words just filled the room with a peacefulness. It came over me and it was like a weight had been lifted. The stress of living with a few disabilities and being on long medical leave from work for over a year and the stress of trying to go back to work with homeschooling two kids, I was keeping it all in. I just wanted to know how much you make a difference. I even shared your podcast with my mom, cousin, and brother, (laughs) even though he's not a lady. He's going through a tough time and wanted him to hear the prayer. So bless you. Bless you. I am so thankful that God used this in your life. You're my why. I'm honored to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you. Reach out anytime. All the links are in the show notes. And I love the idea of you listening to the episodes while you're brushing your teeth. I actually think it's perfect. Start your day with me. So just make sure you follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Get your brave on.